the first chapter, 12th verse, to the second chapter, 1st verse. The reading is also in your bulletin. If you're able, please stand for the reading. Lord, are you not everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up the more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish in the sea, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. This is the word of the Lord. The last time we examined Habakkuk's response to what God said he was about to do. See, the prophet had uh, asked, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen. God said he was going to do something so incredible that Habakkuk wouldn't believe it. He said, if I, if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. But what he was going to do was to begin to punish Habakkuk and his countrymen. And he definitely didn't believe that. That wasn't the response that Habakkuk was looking for. That's not the response that we're looking for in 2013. When you call 911 and your house is on fire, the last thing you need delivered is a can of gasoline. You know, you just, it's like, okay, my house is on fire. I asked for some help and I've got this truck full of gasoline ready to be delivered to my house. Thank you very much. That's not what I expected. So that's why Habakkuk responds, I just, you know, just like I would respond. God, you're from eternity, aren't you? Holy God, we're, we're not going to die, are we? See, and as we shared last time, Habakkuk is addressing God using his eternal and his covenantal names. You know, he's, he's, he's using every, I don't say trick in the book, but he's, he's using every identifier that he knows God to be. I know you to be the person who speaks things into existence. I know you that way. I also know you to, as the one who promised to be for me, whatever I need, whenever I need. You promised me this. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm asking these questions because I'm confused. How could a righteous God use ungodly people, again, as I, we shared last time, it's one thing to receive punishment from a just God, but now this just God is going to use unjust people to execute his righteous judgment. I don't understand that. This is inconceivable to me. How could he use that person down the street 
who doesn't love God, who doesn't worship God, who doesn't know, couldn't spell God if you gave him all three letters. You could, just couldn't do it. And, he, and, and that person is going to come and execute judgment on me. So that's why the prophet writes what he does. God, you chose the Babylonians for your judgment work. I can't believe this. Rock solid God. Again, another, another, another uh, 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 tool that uh, Habakkuk is using. You gave them the job of discipline, but you can't be serious. You can't condone evil. So why don't you do something about this? Why are you silent now? This is outrage. Evil men swallow up the righteous, and you stand around and watch. God, how can on one hand say we are your people, and you are our God, and at the same time let evil run through over, all over us? See, Habakkuk continues, and he's essentially accusing God of dehumanizing his crowning achievement of his creative act. I mean, Habakkuk, he's pushing the envelope. He really is. He's, he, he's pushing the envelope. And so he's, he's, he accuses God. It's like, you, you know, you said, oh, this is real good. Well, you've made people like fish in the sea, like creatures, like the sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe, verse 15 goes on, the wicked foe pulls, up, pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. And he gathers them up in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. And if that's not enough, <laughs> if that's not enough to add insult to injury, uh, Habakkuk writes, Therefore he sacrifices to his net, he burns incense to his fishing nets, because due to them his portion grows fat and his food becomes luxurious. What is he saying? Habakkuk reminds God that the ones he is using to carry out his judgment, again, doesn't love, doesn't acknowledge, doesn't recognize God in any way, shape, or form. As a matter of fact, God, unless you miss something, these people, uh, they're, they're, they're all caught up in their achievements, in their knowledge, skills, and abilities to do what they do. See, they're, 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 see you, know, you know who they are. They're, they're people that you know. It's, it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to just do the right thing. You're trying to worship God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the person who isn't worshiping God with all their heart, soul, and mind, so you think, by all appearances, you don't know, but it looks pretty suspicious uh, because they're doing everything. They're, they're cheating on their taxes, cheating on their spouses. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing everything to get ahead in the world. And they seem to, you know, as I said before, the, the cheaters never prosper. Well, somebody needs to remind God because those cheaters are really prospering. They're doing a fine job of prospering. They're doing great. So, so God, in case you haven't noticed, these people aren't worshiping you. They're worshiping their nets. They're worshiping their, their tools. They're worshiping their job. They're worshiping their careers. They're worshiping everything that they see as a tool to get them forward. Yeah, it's like the co-worker that continues to be evil and uh, seems to get away with it. They brag about how skillful, and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, oh, so-and-so. I got by on so-and-so. It's like, well, you put down eight hours, but I know you only work four, and you don't get caught. I leave 15 minutes early and I get in trouble. I know that's never happened to you. What's up with this? So that's why Habakkuk concludes by, by asking just the incredible question, are you going to let this go on and on? Will you let the Babylonian fishermen fish like a weekend angler, killing people as if they're nothing but fish? 
So Habakkuk has, has observed this problem that God has laid on him. He has some serious questions. God responds in ways that he didn't anticipate and couldn't understand. So Habakkuk tries to explain to God that it doesn't make sense. As we shared last time, sooner or later, you will come to that intersection uh, that we call uh, confusion and dependency. The, that, that intersection where, you know, it's like I'm right here in the middle of the street where the crossroads are confusion and dependency. It seems like, you know, these are those times when your faith is being put to the ultimate test. You've placed all your hope and trust in God, but it doesn't seem that that was the thing to do because everyone else who doesn't love or isn't worshiping God is doing fine. I remember, as Gail had shared, she said she just wished she could have met my father, but to the degree that she knows me, she knows my father. And I remember, just like it was yesterday, the, the, the breakfasts, the incredible breakfasts we would share every morning. Every morning was the same. Uh, when we lived out, we had 11 acres, uh, and I had all the chores to do, you know, so don't tell me, don't, don't complain to me about hard work. It's like, don't, please don't complain to me about hard work and feeding cattle and, and pigs and chickens and, and all of that before dawn. Before dawn and dodging rats and what have you. And it's just like, okay, okay, okay. And then we come in, we wash up, and we sit down for breakfast before we go off to school. So, yeah, I know, you always say, oh, yeah, I, walked, uh, I walked to school in the snow, uphill, both ways. You know, it's like, okay, whatever. My father would always begin the day, it just seemed like the prayer that he would pray was just so long, you know, because I was so hungry. And, and you know, and, and he would pray for, seemed like everybody, people I didn't know. And it was a long prayer. And this is for breakfast. This is just, come on, it's like, come on, can we just like, let's, let's wrap it up. You know, it's just, just for breakfast. And then he would conclude the prayer that was extemporaneous with the family would join in with the Lord's Prayer. And at the very end of that, he would always share the same verse that you learned very quickly because the expectation was you were going to repeat this as I'm repeating this. Talk about training up a child as the way it should go. Um, out of Proverbs 3 and 6, he would say, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Every morning that I lived under his roof, the morning began the same way. Every single morning. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your paths. What are you saying? See, my father had discovered life was filled with the unknown and surprises. See, the verse prior to this reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and don't rely on your own wisdom. For me growing up, and for most kids growing up, it's like, you know, we talk about trusting the Lord. Actually, truth be told, we trust our parents. That's what we trust. You know, we put our trust in our parents because they're providing, they're paying the bills. They, they, they're putting food on the table. They're doing all of those things. And so that was my short-sightedness. But he didn't have parents uh, to jaundice his view, and he knew that his source of strength 
if he was going to do what he needed to do in order to do the things God called him to do, both in terms of ministry, but also in terms of providing and protecting for his family, he's like, you know what? Life could be a bear. Solomon probably said it better than any of us could say it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. As I, grew, as I grew, I began to replace my parents with my education, with my job, with my relationships. See, it's, 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 it's somehow, it's, 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 it's one thing to, as I say often, to have a mental ascent of God. I know God exists. No question. Well, that puts me on par with the devils, you know. It's like because they believe God exists too. See, but, but to take it to that next level, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your, under, don't lean to your own thinking. Don't, don't depend on your job. Don't depend on your best friend. Don't even depend on what mama said. You, you, you trust in the Lord. See, but as I, as I depended on those things, the job, the career, the relationships, all of that, uh, soon I hit walls when there was nothing or no person that could rescue me from the situations I found myself in. See, I mean, maybe you haven't hit that. And particularly when you're young, again, your dependency is on your parents, you know. And it's just like, so I get that. But, but keep living, just, just keep living, and you will hit those walls. You will hit those points when there won't be anyone. It won't be a pastor. It won't be a preacher. It won't be your best friend. It won't be quick and loans. It won't be, there will be nothing that will be able to rescue from that situation that you'll find yourself in then what are you going to do? Then, then what will you do? Thankfully, we have, we have scripture that, that helps us. And in the book of Daniel, we, we, we read, again, we read the story, but it, it becomes, it's, it's hard for us seemingly to make that leap, to, to personalize it, to recognize it, to make it our own. And we say, oh, well, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, they, they, yeah, 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 that was a good story. No, 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 put yourself in that situation. Really put yourself in that situation. See, they were living pretty good. Yeah, they were captive, but they were, they were like, they were the fair-haired children of being captive. So if you're going to be captive, this is the way to be captive. You're living large. All you have to do, the only thing you have to do is when they play the, the music, just bow. What's the problem? Just go along with the situation. Why do you got to make it difficult? Why do you have to make it difficult? So what did they do? Well, they recognize that they couldn't, you know, I'm not going to lean to my own understanding. I'm definitely not going to lean to Nebuchadnezzar's understanding uh, or, or whatever music's being played at the time. Uh, so let me think about this. Okay, if we bow, then things will go along. Life will be fine. And we could just, we'll just go along to get along. But God knows my heart. And, you know, he really knows that I'm I really not bowing in, 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 out, in my heart. I'm not bowing. I may be bowing physically, but I'm really not bowing. He knows my heart. But if I don't bow, then it's my life. It's not just my career. It's not just, just not my house. It's just not my relationships. It's my life. 
I will die if I make the wrong decision. Wow. I, wow. I would like to think that I would make that decision. I really would. As I sit here right now, I would make that decision. But you won't know what decision you will make until you are faced with that decision. Because it all becomes theoretical until you are in that situation. And we wonder why things happen to us and God is all of a sudden, I'm trying to reveal me and I'm trying to reveal you. I'm trying to show you you and I'm trying to show you me. So I put you in these situations so the truth could be revealed. So this is how they answered him. Your threat means nothing to us. Wow. 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 Your threat means nothing to us. And these are, these are probably teenagers, late teenagers. So, so, so put yourself in that situation. Peer pressure. I'll tell you about peer pressure. Peer pressure is being thrown into a fiery furnace. That's peer pressure. That, that's real peer, peer pressure. And they respond, your threat means nothing to us. If you throw us in the fire, the God we serve can rescue us from your roaring furnace and anything else you might cook up. You don't just make that stuff up. What do you think? It's just like, oh, well, let me just roll out a scroll and let me just start. It's like, no, no, we've thought about this. We've processed this. We know the consequence of our action. But based on being in that intersection of dependency and confusion, there is no confusion. I'm taking the road of dependency. I'm trusting God. So that's why he says, oh, king, even if he doesn't, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. O king, we still wouldn't serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. See, this isn't, this isn't, this isn't uh, 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 confidence based on personal outcome. See, this isn't, well, God, if you scratch my back, then, uh, then I'll be happy to scratch yours. God, if you do this for me, then I'll serve you the rest of my life. You know, if you bail my fat out of the fire here, I promise. See, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't deal making with God. They, they, there was no deal. It's like, look, we know who we serve. We know who God is. And I am confident that if, if, if God chooses to rescue us, that's wonderful. Because he's, he's, he's able to keep us from falling. Didn't even have the New Testament. Didn't even have Jude. He's, a, he's able to keep us from falling. He's able to do those things that we can't do for ourselves. He's able to do that. But you know what? If he doesn't do it, doesn't make any difference doesn't make any difference. It's not predicated, it's not dependent on if I don't come out alive or smell. They had no idea. There was no, there was, there was no Hebrew children or men before them. They didn't have any scripture to look at. They didn't say, oh, you know, well, see, I know the end of the story. I'd have done the same thing. Oh, yeah, you would do the same thing if you know the result. See, we don't even do the same thing. We don't even do close to the same thing, and there's no fiery furnace in our life. Say, we have little bitty decisions. Again, you know, it's just like, do I fudge on my taxes? Do I fudge in this relationship? Do I do, I do, these, do, I do these little damnable things all along uh, because I know I can get by? And God is saying, no, 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 no. See, I don't know if Habakkuk had the scrolls of Daniel available. I don't know. I don't know. But what happened with Daniel happened before what happened with Habakkuk in order. But Habakkuk's response 
was blunt, direct, and beautiful. As he said in the first verse of the second chapter, I will stand in my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Just kind of a sidebar here, the, the NIV, the New International Version translate, translation, it kind of suggests that Habakkuk will have the last word in responding to an answer he anticipates. However, I believe, and most theologians uh, uh, back me up on this, a better translation of the text is that God will do the responding, and he will have the final word. And one, one translation that I like the best, the Common English Bible uh, translation reads, I will take my post, I will position myself on the fortress, I will keep my watch to see what the Lord says to me and how he will respond to my complaint. So in typical Hebraic fashion, you know, this, 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 the, the whole book is written in poetry, uh, but we, we, since we don't speak Hebrew, we don't see the rhythms and the rhymes and the, and, and the stanzas and all that, but, but, but it's all poetic. I'll take my post. I will position myself on the fortress. Basically saying the same thing twice. I will keep my watch to see what the Lord says to me and how we respond to my complaint. Again, basically saying the same thing twice. So, two things he says here. First, and I'm almost done. He says that he will take his post. That is, he will position himself in the right place. What place is that? Well, it's the ramparts or the fortress. See, in your mind, picture a watchman. Uh, a century, be it in a vineyard or be it in a, in a, in a citadel. They, they go up to the highest place so they could see the furthest on the horizon. They put themselves in a position so that they can see what's approaching, so they can hear things that might be coming their way. See, it could be that Habakkuk is speaking symbolically of waiting for a vision from God, but I'd like to believe it seems more likely that he's speaking about a real watchtower where he went to meditate. See, Habakkuk has made his complaint. He's made his case. He's, he's laid it out to God. Now he's saying, okay, God, I'm going to put myself in a position so I can hear from you. I want to hear clearly. I, I, I've made myself clear, God. I've made myself clear, and I want to hear from you now. And second, Habakkuk is watching. See, the word translated watch is in an active tense, and it's not just aimlessly gazing, but he's intently and intensely looking at the horizon. See, you like some may be doing now, you, you could be looking at me and it's just like you're looking through me, past me, and just, just, you're just, you're looking, but you're not looking. But when you're looking, like someone is pointing a 357 at you, you're looking. You're really looking. That's the image that we have here. He's intently focused on watching, looking for what God will say and how we respond. And it's just interesting He's watching to see what the Lord will say. He's watching to see what the Lord will say. I don't watch words. I hear words, but it's translated. I am watching to see what the Lord 
will say. What is that? You know, the Hebrews really believed the entry to the soul was through the eyes. And so as I watch to see what the Lord will say, I am really taking in. I am intensely focusing on what God is saying to me. I'm closing. What's your point? Well, I have a question for you. Here's a question. Just answer it to your, to your own soul's delight. Do you have a place? Do you really have a place? And do you have a time set aside to watch to see what the Lord is saying? Do you have a place? Do you, do you have, I mean, again, not, not just like, you know, you squeeze out a little bit of prayer before you get up, you know, you dropped. And that's wonderful. I don't, I don't mean to diminish that in any way, but we could do better. You know, as we first get out of bed and before we go to bed and before we gobble down our burgers or whatever. Uh, it's just like, you know, we, 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 we boom, 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 just like I was. It's like, come on, hurry up. I want to I wanna eat. I'm tired. I've been working. I got to get finished. For sc- I got to go off to school. Dad, can you hurry it up? I'm not interested in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'm really not. But now I so love that on my tombstone, I want. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on my tombstone. See, only life and life experiences will get you to that point where you know, unlike Felix, you know, the little cat, you remember the cartoon, he had a little bag of tricks, and he always, whatever, whatever problem he finds, if you just reach in his bag, he could pull out something. It was his bag of tricks. Well, we all have bags of tricks. We all do. Every one of us does. Every one of us has a bag of tricks. Some bags are bigger than others. I got a pretty tiny bag because I've gone through all of my my tricks. I've I've, I've gone through all of the things that that have gotten me by in in, in tough times before, and I found it's like, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. I'm done. There's 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 a commercial. I know Mrs. Meeks will laugh at this. Uh, there's a commercial about a cell phone company. Uh, and, the, and, and the slogan, the takeaway of the slogan is, uh, do you hear me now? Do you hear me now? See, the cell phone reception, the reception of the cell phone has a direct impact on the clarity of the call. The solid connection that we have, what, Whatever phone, I don't care, whatever carrier you have, your reception directly impacts the call. How many bars do you have, I guess, is what, you know, in today's vernacular. How many bars do you have? Got a half a bar? Do you, do you have a half a bar? You know, you know, you know, when you have a half a bar, the call gets dropped. Every, like, every time it gets dropped. But if you got full bars, good call, good call. I found out in uh, uh, where I live, where we live, where Gail lives and allows me to stay, um, she, there are parts of her house that, that the signal is pretty bad. There, the signal is not good. And so what I need to do is go to those places in the house where I get a bigger, better signal. Not only that, if I got the microwave going and I got all types of stuff going, that will affect my signal. It just does. What's your point? Well, I'm glad you asked. Does God have your undivided attention? 
Does he have, I just, just, again, you're talking to Mark, and you don't even have to talk to me, talk to yourself. Does God have your undivided attention? Does he have your attention? Do you hear his voice? Do, do you hear his voice? Or is his message, his voice, his message being lost in the noise and busyness of life? Do you got a lot of blenders going? You got a lot of microwaves going? Do you got a lot of stuff going on that you can't, it's like, you ask me, can you hear me now? No, I can't hear you right now. The microwave's on, thank you very much. Or I'm in a part of the house where the signal is just not good. See, as we shared earlier though, if I can't hear, I can't know. If I can't hear, I can't know. And if I don't know, I can't respond. If I can't hear, I can't know. And if I don't know, I can't respond. If I can't respond, I won't be in the place God desires. Do you hear me now? See, sometimes in order for God to be heard, he needs to send the Babylonians into our lives. We are praying, God, how could you do this to me? How could you? I've, I've, and he's sending the Babylonians into our lives. Those things that are corrective actions, and we're praying, take them away. And God is saying, I love you much more than you love yourself, and I need to do this so you can hear me now. Habakkuk is not pleased with the things that are taking place, but he never loses sight of the fact that God is in control. To that end, uh, he's better than I am. (laughs) You know, because I, you know, it's like, God, you, something is really wrong. So Habakkuk goes to the fortress. I could just see him sitting down. Maybe if he had a rocking chair, he's rocking. Maybe he put a cloak around himself, and he's just waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting, God. I'm, I'm waiting. I want, you've heard me. You've heard my prayer. You've heard my plea. You've heard me. Now I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I encourage you, each one of you, because the physical can lead to the spiritual connection. Don't have your place, your quiet time of place, to be the same place where you watch TV. Don't let that be the same place. Carve out a place where this is my spot, where I'm just, I'm just going to wait. There's nothing special or righteous or holy about the spot, but it's a place where the physical can lead to the spiritual, where I can be in a place where I'm anticipating hearing from God. So when he asked, do you hear me now? Lord, don't send the Babylonians. I hear you loud and clear. I hear you. Let's pray.